All right, everybody. I hope uh, I hope everyone had a good week. Markets at yet another all-time high. Political drama in Washington. It's, uh, it's never boring there, is it? There's always some sort of theater going on, so uh, we'll see what comes of it. Probably a whole lot of posturing and a whole lot of nothing, but we'll see. Um, so I got a bunch of questions on the GSEs and stuff this week, so I'll get to it. And then I'm going to, at the end, I'm going to give you my two cents on how I think this goes down. Uh, what is your opinion on the news below? Uh, do you agree with the CEO of Fannie Mae? What do you think is making a so slow decision on the conservatorship? So Chelsea Brown, Celeste Brown, sorry. Uh, Fannie Mae's CFO delivered yesterday, uh, yesterday's conference call, a detailed plan that the enterprise submitted to FHFA, calling for $89 billion in proposed capital based on favorable risk adjustments based on rising real estate prices, deferred tax assets, and substantial success with credit risk transfers. So they're saying that um, their capital level, based on their current position, should be, be about $89 billion. Um, yeah, I, um, I can't really disagree with that. I mean, people were talking before over $100 million for Fannie, but... And every time they're selling these risk transfers, they're lowering their risk, so their capital required requirement should be lower. Um, housing has been strong. They do the DTA, so that's in the ballpark what everyone's been talking about. Um, obviously, we haven't seen the detailed plan yet, so it's hard to say, you know, what's in it. But yeah, there's nothing, nothing outrageous about that assumption. And as far as why is it taking so long? I mean, you have, I think we mentioned this before, the last week before. You have to remember these by by the size of their asset base. These are the largest financial institutions in the world. You can't, and and not only are they the largest financial institutions, they also they also hold on one second. They also okay. Uh, sorry about that. Um, and not only are they the largest financial uh, institutions, they also touch the largest single part of our economy, the housing market. So you're revamping these institutions. You're revamping the way they do business and probably the single most important part of our economy. And you have to do so in a way that causes minimum disruption to that market. You can't just whip them around real quick and throw them back out and hope everything goes well. It needs to be a well-thought-out, sort of almost tested thing. And, and then you have to add in the fact that you have the Treasury involved, the President involved, and Congress involved, and FHFA involved, and everyone else involved. And now you have a, a lot of people who need, who's, need to be considered, consulted, and, and, and asked about this, asked about that. Um, and that's, that, that takes time. And there's, no, there's absolutely no way around it. So... Um, it's you know to expect it to be done quickly is 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 not reasonable. Um, I think we would have liked to. I think part of the problem is why it seems like it's taking so long is Calabria was kind of short sighted and kind of set deadlines for himself that I think he wanted to meet and then soon realized he wasn't going to be able to meet, and I think that caused a lot of um, issues for him. Um, I think he probably regrets saying he'd have the plan out by you know 
end of June, and it took until end of September, um, which is why now I think he's doing the opposite, and he's setting longer timelines uh, with the expectation he comes in far shorter than that with the actual events. Um, let me see. Two, regarding CHK, why the recent stock price drop was partially due to his second biggest investor distributed stake to its limited partners in an in-kind pro-rata distribution. Should the distribution occur internally and on the open market, then it should not affect the stock price. What probability of potential Comstock CHK deal will go through? So you're right in that the stock got transferred from one major holder to its limited partners. Uh, we don't know if they sold it or not. But anytime something like that happens, uh, it negatively affects the stock price. It just does. It, uh, it always does. So, and it was this was the single largest shareholder from the wild horse acquisition kind of thing. Um, so it always has a negative effect on the stock price. Um, and what's the probability of potential comp stock CHK deal will go through? I mean, I, there's no regulatory reason why it shouldn't go through if they decide to do it. The question is finding a, a price and the structure. The last deal that Comstock did, they just closed it in the most recent quarter they reported, um, was an all-stock deal. My guess is that's what they want to do again. My guess is that Chesapeake wants a decent amount of it in cash. So, you know, you got to negotiate, you know, what do you want to do with it? You know, Chesapeake's not drilling there. They sent all their rigs home. It's basically a, an earningless asset on the books right now. So they're kind of in a, a weaker negotiating uh, standpoint. And, you know, even if they do have to, have to suck it up and take an all-stock deal, you know, Comstock's going to say they probably can't sell any of it for a year or six months before they can sell any of it. And they probably have to sell it off in stages, you know, X amount at a time. So it'll completely collapse the Comstock stock price in any given quarter. Um, and that's going to delay. And, you know, the more cash Chesapeake can get, the more likely they can get the going concern notice removed. So, I mean, but the, the deal makes sense for both parties. You know, Comstock's most recent acquisition was in the Haynesville. They're looking to build out that area. Chesapeake doesn't want to be there. I mean, it makes sense to make a deal. It just, if they can find a price and a structure that works. What's your recent take on the news? Fannie and Freddie will likely exit conservatorship by 2024. Investors are in panic mode these days um, due to the boost of uncertainty. If all is going well in 2021, 2022, we will see very large public offerings from these companies, Calabria said. Why does Calabria want to delay the IPO way after election? Why don't they have any contingency plan given Calabria might leave agency next year since Trump might lose election? I, I, I think, and this is what I said to the first question, I think what he's doing now Instead of setting timelines that he wants to hit, he's setting timelines way out so they can then come in under them. And he doesn't have to go through what he just went through with the, uh, the, the, um, the plan that he just released that originally was going to come out in June and came out in September. Um, I think that um, there will be an offer. I, I'm going to tell you what I think happens at the end of this, but I don't think, <clears throat> I don't, think that the offerings he's talking about have any have any problem with the election. I think what he has to do is get them out of conservatorship under a consent decree before the election. And that can be done easily. That can easily be done. He's talking about 
2023-2024, you know, 10-15 billion dollar offerings to exit conservatorship and the consent degree entirely. So I think we're talking two different things. And and that could be done if even if he's not in office. That's that's not anything that um uh, that's not anything he needs to be there for. They're going to have to do that anyway to raise money. Um, so whether he's there or not is irrelevant. Uh, what matters more is getting them out under consent degree before the election and getting whatever money they need raised to do that before the election. <clears throat> um, one person on Twitter says, while the dates were confusing, we believe they're consistent with the view that GSEs could, one, Exit conservatorship in the coming months with consent decrees. Two, raise capital in the markets in 21-22. And three, lift consent decrees in 2023. Once the risk-based capital is met, what is your take on this? I agree completely. There's nothing not to agree with there. Um, what is your take on the pessimistic article? Dick Bove calls Fannie and Freddie regulatory shift bad for shares. Should we consider... Should we consider about selling now? Um, I stopped listening to Bove and the GSEs about a month ago. Um, I can guarantee you in the next three days, he'll probably put out an article saying the exact opposite. He's been a little manic and schizophrenic on the GSEs. Uh, first, it was, you know, the, con- the, the preferred shares are great. The common, not so great. Then it was the preferred shares are great. Sell the common. Then it was sell the common, sell the preferred. Now it's sell the common, buy the preferred. And this is all within a month time frame. And I'm sorry, but... Calabria really hasn't said anything different than what he's been saying for the last year. If you're paying attention to what he says and then what he does, he's been, in my opinion, he's been rather consistent. He'll say what he has to say in front of certain groups and he'll say what he has to say in front of Congress, but his actions are entirely different. So I think you need to look at what he's actually doing, not what he's saying in an interview or saying before Congress, um, before you make a decision about selling or buying more shares or what shares you should buy. Um, over the last four years I've accumulated this is a new question uh, a lot of Fannie Mae AS for the last several months I've been converting those shares into AL and AK for the arbitrage that's Fannie Mae AK Fannie Mae AL my worry has been that since Fannie Mae AS has an 8.2 provide non-cumulative dividend and the 50 lot preferred are about half that if there is an agreement between hedge funds and the Fed that the settlement will include some dividends post-government being paid will Fannie Mae AS holds get more to the lower yielding preferreds. This made little difference in my opinion if the GSEs are recapped in 2020. However, now that Calabria is talking 23-24, that was just far more accrual for Fannie Mae AS than others. Am I looking at this correctly? If so, maybe I should stop the AS to AL conversions. I don't see a scenario where the any settlement includes the payment of past dividends. Um, the reason is that Dividends are not guaranteed on preferred stock. They are only paid if the board declares them. Since the board has not declared them, there are no missing past dividends. This isn't like a bond that has a mandated interest rate that maybe hasn't been paid for two years or something like that. Um, There would be past dividends. But these are non-cumulative preferred shares, meaning that even if they don't pay it, if they don't pay it, if they were cumulative preferred, if they didn't pay it one quarter, it would still be owed. But these are non-cumulative preferreds, so they're not owed if they're not declared. Um, what I have heard, and you know, David Thompson talked about this um, in one of his talks, was that um, there might be an interest. 
um, it's six percent simple or compounded that could be um, paid as, as like a punitive so you get preferred plus interest from the date of injury which would be August 2012 um, I've not heard any scenario where anyone has spoken about um, back dividends because they're not owed on any of the preferred stocks so um, I don't think that's a worry you should have. I've done the conversion from the S to the $50 preferreds because of the arbitrage. I think the arbitrage might be bigger now than it was back then. I really don't know. But um, no, I, 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 think, I think you're looking at it right in that making that, making that conversion. And even if, even in a scenario where there's a settlement, all preferred holders have to be treated equal. You can't not treat some equal and some. You can't treat some one some way and some the other because you're just going to spur more lawsuits and more litigation. So, you know, everyone has to be treated the same way. But I don't see a scenario where we get back back interest, uh, back dividend payments at all. Um, we might get interest if it goes to court, um, but even that's not a, even that's not a guarantee. You know, so I I guess short answer is I I did the same conversion and I I believe that that's what you should do. Um, hi, Ty. What percentage odds would you give a GSC settlement happening within the following time frames? Basically, fill in the X's. Thanks. Between today and December 31st, between January 2020 and June 2020, between July 1, 2020, December 31st, 2020, January 21 or later or never. So I think there's probably an 80% chance of a settlement happening before June of next year. Um... Why do I believe that? Uh, because the GSEs are going to need to raise some money, I believe, to come out of a, an, under a consent decree. I do not believe they're going to be able to raise the money they need where the lawsuits overhang. I think a couple of things need to happen um, before they come out. And uh, there was a group, uh, Craig Phillips, who, who is much uh, often referred to as the architect of the GSC plan to come out of conservatorship and the new housing reg, uh, regulatory system. Uh, he, a group called Autonomous held a group for investment banks and hedge funds, things like that last week. And um, uh, basically, he said that you know, the speculation of why he left was wrong. Um, average time at Treasury was about two and a half years. You know, he had raised money for Clinton and knew that he was never being promoted anywhere in Treasury under the current administration. That's just not how it works in politics. So he left and is basically uh, relaxing and riding horses right now, uh, having a grand old time with himself. Uh, and I guess probably getting paid decent money to come do these speeches. Um, his thoughts were the GSEs will be privatized. Treasury now thinks the warrants are worth 60 to 80 billion, down from the original estimates of 100 to 120, which means that um, um, which means that um, um, sorry, uh, which means that even the government is expecting. Uh, dilution of common shares, right? That's why they got out of the common stock. If the if the gut value of the government's warrant is dropping, that's because they're going to have a decent sized dilution of the common stock. Makes those makes the making the value of the eighty percent stake less, 
Um, zero chance Congress has evolved. It will all be done administratively. Government wants to IPO can easily be done by the election, according to Phillips. Must do with genie preferred shareholders in order to IPO. Thinks they convert to common, then a capital raise. Receivership talk for Congress is posturing not even be considered. And I think that if you look at if you look at Calabria, there has been no action he has taken that would be consistent with any consideration at all of putting the GSUs as conservatorship. None whatsoever. Everything he has done has been consistent with getting them out of conservatorship via the public markets. The only time it was even raised when he was being harassed by, oh, I forget the senator's name, it's on the blog, um, being harassed by the senator's name, the senator, and he basically, well, yeah, if we have to, we will. And he would. If he had to, he will. But he won't have to. It's not going to be an option he's going to have to consider. So while he was being truthful and saying, well, if we have to do it, we will, it's kind of like saying, well, yeah, if I get gangrene on my foot, I'll have it amputated. But the odds of me having gangrene on my foot the next year are pretty slim. So a lot went into that comment, and the stocks took a beating, and people freaked out, and there really was no reason to. There's been no action he's taken, nothing he's said publicly, nothing in any of the plans that have come out of FHFA that are consistent with even the consideration of receivership for the GSEs. Receivership would destroy their 80% stake in the GSEs, which is going to be worth a lot of money for Treasury down the road as they sell it off gradually, just like it was for AIG. Made a shitload of money on AIG. They'll make a boatload here. But if they put in receivership, they won't make any. So this is this is what I think happens. This is how I think this goes down. And and I'm gonna say this now, and this is open to me changing my mind should future events warrant it. Right? So so should I make don't, this is not a in-concrete blueprint that's inflexible and will never change. Obviously, if Calabria comes out next week and says something completely different or whatever, then obviously my outlook is going to change. So don't, six months from now, don't you know, go back to this podcast and be like, you know, oh my God, you said this, this, and this. Well, obviously, upcoming events could change that or they could keep it where it is right now. So um, I think the junior preferred are converted at par or very close. Uh, we'll need two-thirds approval from junior holders to do so, um, which I don't think we'll have any problem getting at all. Uh, if you're, you know, you're $19 on a $50 preferred right now, if, if they offer you 48 bucks in conversion to common, I don't see, think too many shareholders are going to say no to that. I really don't. So uh, I think you'll get that easily. Um, due to the 1992 Safety and Soundness Act, uh, the low end of capital levels needed for Fannie to emerge under consent degree would be roughly 22 to 25 billion. And by the end of Q4, they'll be around 10 to 12 in retained capital. Um, I think um, that's the groundwork. So I think lawsuits are settled, Junior Preferred converted a comment. <coughs> the net worth sleep has ended, and Treasury declares itself paid on the Senior Preferred. 
That'll leave about 10 to, 10 to $12 billion in capital to be raised and exit under a consent decree. The shares are then uplisted to trade on the New York Stock Exchange. And I think Buffett writes a check for the remaining capital to be raised with a new convertible preferred being issued to him. He's sitting on roughly $110 billion, so writing a $10 billion or $12 billion check for him is not a big deal. And the GSEs exit under a consent decree. All the above must be done before Warren writes a check, as I am doubtful he invests that much with the litigation overhang, senior preferred stock still, quote, unpaid, technically, and shares on the over-the-counter market. Why Warren? I've heard from three separate people this week. See, anytime, any single time any of these companies are like this, Buffett's always rumored to be involved. But I've heard from three different people in the last couple of weeks, all of who laugh at those rumors whenever they come out, because um, they come out all the time, uh, saying similar things. Um, and these people have also said that they heard that executives for Freddie were in Omaha last week after earnings were released. So you have Fannie submitting a plan to exit conservatorship. You have executives out in Omaha. You know, they're not out in Omaha for the weather this time of year, right? They're there to talk to somebody. And they're there to talk to Warren. You have Buffett sitting on a pile of cash. Um, you have Buffett... Um, you have... Uh, Buffett owns shares of the GSEs. He owned them for a while. Sold them in, the, I believe, the early 2000s uh, when he saw what was going on in the housing market and how involved they were with it. Um, so it's not like he's anti-GSE or wouldn't consider owning them. You know, he loves convertible preferred stock. I believe convertible, convertible preferred stock will count as capital for the GSEs. Preferred stock doesn't. But I think convertible preferred does counts as tier one capital. You know, he did it with Bank of America. He did it with Goldman. He did it with Dow Chemical, the financial crisis. Exactly what he did. Warren's favorite thing is convertible preferred stock. He gets the best of both worlds. He's got great prices. He gets paid to wait. Probably 8 9% he'll get for writing a check that big. And the GSEs can emerge from under a consent decree. And the timing of it, I think it happens late winter, early summer. I mean, early spring. You don't want it to happen at... um, You do not want it to happen um, late summer, early fall next year. Because then it looks like you're, you're rushing to get them out before Trump loses the election and you want your buddies, your hedge fund buddies to be paid off, right? And then whether that's true or not, that's going to be the narrative right before the election, right? So whatever you're going to do to get them out under consent decree, you need to do earlier in the year. So it doesn't look like you're pulling a last-minute uh, quickie before the election to help out your hedge fund buds. Optics are everything, especially in politics. So that's why, as I said earlier, I think the timing is 80%. By, by June. You know, I think once the capital levels come out, and once they decide what they need to exit, I think the rest can be done pretty quickly. I really do. 
You know, think about how easy it would be to have Warren write a check to give them the little boost they need to get out versus doing a prolonged road show, having the stock prices jerked around and all the uncertainty in the housing market. You know, are they going to be able to exit on a consent decree? What's it going to mean for mortgage rates? What's it going to mean for the housing market? It would be a daily story. You know, largest IPO ever. They're never going to raise that money. All the all the, the, the anti-GSC people are going to be out every day just pounding, 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 pounding. They can never raise this money. You know, oh, everyone's going to be hearing rumors that they're, everyone's balking at the offering. No one wants to be involved. It would, it would, it would be a long, drawn-out shit show, for lack of a better word. And they don't want that. By converting the preferred to common, you boost the capital levels. Tier 1 capital. And if you have Warren, Warren write a check and they exit under consent degree and you have Buffett as a large investor, do you think it's going to be hard to raise money later on in, an, in, an, in, a, in another offering? Does anyone think that's going to be difficult? I don't. I think it'll be a piece of cake, to tell you the truth. I don't think it'll have any trouble at all raising the extra money. I really don't. So that's, that's kind of how I think it goes down. And, you know, barring any sort of dramatic turn in rhetoric or anything like that, um, that would be my best guess. Now, whether it's Warren or they have to IPO it, I don't know. Um, but I do know, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm just beating a drum on this. They have to deal with the preferred shareholders before they go to the public markets and raise money. They know that. We know that. Other people, only people that don't know that seem to be the people who think only the common is going to be worth any money and the preferreds are going to kind of be langu- languishing forever. Um, I think that um, it has to happen. I really do. Getting them on the NYSE is good too. You know, a lot of your hedge funds, a lot of your mutual—sorry, a lot of mutual funds, pension funds—they can't own over-the-counter stocks. They can't own them. It makes them too illiquid. It makes it hard to get a large position in it. But if they're on the NYSE, they can buy them up. So that has to happen too. You can't IPO an over-the-counter stock and raise $10 billion. It makes it very difficult. And they have to deal with the network sweep. It absolutely has to be declared paid. Because technically it's not paid. So again, if you know if you're sitting there with the ability to write a, you know, five hundred million dollar check to be part of an IPO, and you have, you know, shares on the over the counter market, you have litigation outstanding, and you technically still owe the government two hundred some billion dollars, why would you write that check? Nobody will, and they know this. They know this. Treasury is not smart. They're they're saying what they're saying in public, 
But Mnuchin was in the public markets for years. He knows what's going on. He knows what they have to do. They just don't want to weaken their bargaining position with junior preferred shareholders right now. Or give away too much in the public what they're thinking. And then be accused of, you know, oh, you're, you're saying things like this to make the stock price go up so your buddies can make money. So they have to walk, they have to, they have to, they have to walk the walk, right? They have to do the political dog and pony show while at the same time doing exactly what they know they need to do behind the scenes. So, you know, I, for better or for worse, that's what I think happens. And uh, I think my idea makes sense. I don't think there's anything in it that's a stretch or unreasonable or um, you know, sort of, what's it called, pie-in-the-sky thinking or something like that. Um, I, this, is, this is a situation Warren often gets into. It's insurance. It's convertible preferred stock. He loves that kind of shit. Um, he's owned shares in them before. They're in better shape than they were then. They just need to build capital. He's going to get paid his 9%. You know, and there won't be any other junior preferred shareholders. That helps the capital structure of the of the entities. I I, I don't know. It just it's logical. No, nope, that doesn't mean it's going to happen or whatever. But I think logically, you can look at it and say, you know what, that all makes sense. I don't know if Warren thinks it does, <laughs> but I guess we'll find out soon enough. But if I had to guess that uh, that. Um, I think that's the where it goes down. And I do think this happens before next summer. I think it could happen, honestly. I think it could happen really fast. Because if they're not going to technically go out and raise money in, the, in public markets, they don't need to do the road show. They don't need to do that dog and pony show. They just need to have warm rate of check. In which case you exit under a consent degree as soon as the check clears. And... Obviously, you can settle with junior preferred shareholders. So that's, I think that's the sticky part, is what are they going to demand in a settlement with the junior preferred holders? Or what are they going to offer even? But I do think that at some point in time, they're going to have to realize that we need to, we need, you know, we need to do this because if we don't, it may never get done. If they're not out under consent decree by the election next year, they may never be out. So that's the risk. The longer it drags out, the worse it is. And once they get that agreement from the junior per shareholders, once they settle it, I mean, the rest of it can be done. Boom, 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 boom. So that's my two cents on that. Um, let me see if there's another question real quick. Um, no, no. That's it. So that's all for this week. Um, I hope everyone has a great weekend. Um, safe weekend and a fun weekend. I, uh, I need my bills to be at Miami this week. Enough of this crap. Watching them lose to the Brown last week was a rather frustrating experience, to say the least. But... Uh, so good luck to everyone, your sports teams next week, except for the Dolphins fans, obviously. And uh, I will be back next week, and hopefully we start getting some, some exciting news on this stuff and 
Calabria does what he says he's going to do and comes out with um, um, comes out with the, the capital levels and and does it on time and we don't have to worry about that kind of stuff anymore. So we shall see. So have a great one, everybody. Thank you.